Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Any good stories from the road? I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. Rat poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Hey, y'all, I promise I am working on a new intro with uh, Rusty on the team. Just got to build up that library of clips to give us the best editing options possible. Uh, I'm Wes Blankenship, Palmer Toms, Rusty Menzel on the show tonight, guys. Let's start with the tale of two Dominics. Uh, Rusty, you broke the news on Tuesday about uh, Don Blaylock's decision to go to Georgia Tech. And I think logic has soundly weighed in the favor of uh, many a, a dog fan that is looking at this respectively. And you, when you consider Blaylock's career going to Georgia Tech is somewhat of an exception, it seems like. Yeah, he, um, you know, typical Dom. I go back to his sophomore year. I was a Sunday morning. I got a text to call it. I was like, that's weird. On Sunday morning, and about 10 o'clock on the morning, I called Dom, and he said, hey, I want to commit. I said, okay. I said, commit to Georgia? He goes, yeah. Can you do a story? I said, yeah. When do you want to do it? He goes, can you be here in an hour? I was like, well, yeah. So I drive down. I pull in the driveway, shoot about four or five pictures, get about two or three quotes from him, and he goes, you going to put that up today? I said, Dom, I'm, I'll go – down the street and type your story up and put it up. And that was literally the end of his 
high school recruiting for two years. Every school in the South tried to get Dominic Blaylock to take a visit, and he never took a visit anywhere, never. And it was he was done. Told all the coaches don't call him. And so last night I'm sitting here about eight thirty, same spot I am, doing a little bit of work, writing some notes. Get a text from his family. Hey, Dom's uh, going to send you a quote. He just committed. He's committed to Georgia Tech. Wants you to put it out for him. I was like, okay. And so I called him up and got a few quotes from the family to go along with Dom, but. You know, the message was clear. The message was clear that uh, he loved everything about Georgia. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's getting his degree uh, Friday from University of Georgia. And, you know, there was a bunch of schools, a bunch of power five schools reaching out to him. I think the determining factor for him going to Georgia Tech was an IT department. He has a um, – he wants to learn – he wants to expand into their – uh, department. He wants to give it a shot at football, see if he can get a few more touches maybe at Georgia Tech. Buster Faulkner uh, certainly sold him on that, but his two brothers, his older brothers, who were SEC football players, uh, live in the city. They're really close. So uh, he's very close with John Fitzpatrick, interesting enough. So he's a former Georgia player, living in the city as well. So, uh, you know, Dom, I think he thought there might be a little bit of backlash. I'm not sure he was really worried, but at the end of the day, I don't think anybody can step aside and look and say this is not a decision for him, uh, not a good one for him, and just go see where it goes. But, you know, this was about life after football as well. So we have a degree from University of Georgia, and looks like he'll have a degree from Georgia Tech uh, or certificate in that department he's he's at as well. So it's hard not to root for Dominic Blake. Like, I don't care where he goes. I mean, this guy is everything right about high school recruiting, is everything right about college football? You know, had two ACLs, well-documented, and just hung in there. So, end of the day, man, uh, Dominique Blaylock should be should be thanked for his time, what he went through. Uh, he leads a Georgia with a, two national championship rings, uh, made some big catches in some big games. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I think that uh, he, he'll get the DGD. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, a guy, Glenn Hartley, is giving it to him there. But <laughs> I think at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day that uh, when you look back on Dominique Blaylock in 10 years, uh, he'll still be welcome anywhere in Athens to walk in any building. Well, he's and, not and, the and, first and not the last to uh, go to a rival and, and still be considered someone that made great contributions to the program. Palmer, what were you about to say? I was going to say, and, and the fact that he was, you know, uh, around the team this spring, um, he was present at the spring game, uh, you know, says a lot about who he is and, and the way that, his teammates and, and these coaches see him. It, it wasn't a, uh, you know, Hey, uh, you know, let, let's get you out the door. Let's, let's keep you away type deal. They wanted him around. I mean, uh, and, and so I, I can only imagine what, uh, what that last game of the regular season is going to be like for him. Um, you know, I, I think it might, it might be a little bit more sentimental if, if they were making the trip to Athens and, and, um, but I guess I guess he's got two years of eligibility left. So his uh, his last game of college football, if uh, if Georgia Tech isn't playing in a bowl game or uh, or an ACC championship, the, technically his last game of college football could be played in Sanford Stadium. So uh, yeah. that that's pretty cool to look that far down the road. Obviously, uh, you know, like you said, Rusty, um, you know, just the way that he handled that recruiting process with you. I felt like it was a lot of the same, uh, you know, in, in talking to him, uh, you know, through his return from the injury, the recovery, 
uh, from the injury. He, he's very down to earth, uh, you know, understands that he, he's here and uh, he, he wanted to have a role and whatever that was, he was going to do it to the best of his ability. And I think there's a lot that's, uh, you know, to be respected about that. Somebody that handles himself that way. So uh, absolutely DGD. Uh, I think the uncle Glenn approval is the only one that you need. That's all we need on this show. I go back to three games in the season in particular where Georgia needed to move the chains through the air because nothing else was really working or just wasn't what they needed at the time. And I think back to the Missouri game, I think at Kentucky, and I think the picture that we've got up on the screen, uh, Ohio State, when Stetson needed a shorthanded guy, uh, probably wasn't burning anybody this season, maybe because of those injuries, I'm not sure. But when the dogs needed to find somebody in the sea of the uh, opponent's defenders, they could find Don Blaylock. So he left this season with some major contributions in games where Georgia uh, either was kind of sputtering on offense or had to answer uh, blow for blow their opponent. Well, and that's what Ohio and, State was. And, and Wes, I'll add to that with, with the picture that you're showing here. A um, little bit of context to that. I think it's really cool that they dialed this up when they did. I uh, believe it was earlier in the game. Um, and, you know, big third down conversion. Um, you know, Ohio State had, had put up some points early on. This was a big third down conversion. And it was the same play that they ran against Florida that the ball went off of Dominic's hands and into a, the defender's hands. Um, you know, credit as, as an interception for Stetson Bennett, uh, probably more so Dom's fault than, than anybody else's uh, there, you know, as opposed to being able to come down with it. But the trust that they had in him to dial that same play up, one that hadn't, you know, worked necessarily to perfection earlier in the season, dial it up again in, in one of the biggest moments, uh, the, the, you know, so-called national championship game, I, I think yep. that. It was it was pretty clear uh, that's that day, uh, and, and certainly uh, a couple Mondays later that those were the two best teams in college football playing that playing that night in Atlanta. Yeah, how long, great how long how long ago does it seem that touchdown pass from Jake Fromm to Dominic Blaylock at Auburn when he got behind the defense? That was yeah at Auburn. Um, had one against Florida that against year too. Florida. Yep. Yep. So. He's got some good ones too. I think I think everybody being agreed. Look, he's everybody's going to cheer for Don Blaylock except for one game, and he knows that. <laughs> uh, before we wrap that up, Rusty and Palmer, this is open to you too. You mentioned the Buster Faulkner connection. Uh, what what does that mean for Blaylock? Is it just about the familiarity, or do you think this could probably help him uh, climb the depth chart? Just having that relationship as he transitions to Atlanta terminology he knows the offense he knows what he's trying to run he goes hey this is what we called it at georgia this is what we're calling it here buster faulkner has been through a spring at georgia tech now he kind of knows what he's got so he could tell dominic Blaylock, hey look man you can freaking play here you know what I mean? <laughs> that's so, probably what he's telling you know what i'm saying don't don't worry about anything else if you like this id it department come get your degree and education but you want to get some touches, we need you, and you know the offense, so it's not a long curve there. Uh, might be a few words here and there, but, you know, Buster Faulkner, uh, certainly, um, and it's interesting tonight, I was in a Georgia Tech pod, but they lost a kid tonight, a quarterback, and 
it's interesting who they're going to wind up picking up. Could be a kid out of the Athens area. So we'll see what happens in that 2024 class. But when you start talking about Don Blaylock, that was probably the easiest transition for him. And he also wanted to stay close to home. Smart well, and, kid. And, and along those lines, I think that with when he's making this decision, uh, you know, May 9th, he announces it. Had he done, had he gone somewhere that he wasn't familiar with the offensive coordinator, there's a lot of a lot of terminology and stuff to pick up in a you know not a long amount of time. He's going somewhere where he's going to understand that you know he he is at a little bit of a disadvantage and he wasn't around for the spring. Uh, obviously, it was important for him to get that degree from Georgia because he entered the portal uh, in that first window and then announces after the second window has closed. Uh, obviously important for him to get that degree from Georgia. Uh, and, but I do think it is important that he went somewhere where he's going to have some familiarity with coaches, with, with terminology and stuff, uh, helps a lot that he's going somewhere like that, especially with the timing that he made this decision. All right. So we open the show with a tale of two Dominics, Dominic Blaylock, and Dominic Lovett, who I caught up with earlier this week at the uh, Pollock Family Foundation golf tournament and just happened to see him in the parking lot, man. I was walking out on my way out, and uh, Lovett, interestingly enough, bought 100% of his golfing attire that day to go out and play and totally looked apart, man. Did, did he, he have clubs me. before? Did he have clubs before, or was that bought on that day too? I I think he borrowed the clubs. Okay. I don't think he bought a full set of clubs and got sized I, I up was, and all I that. I was going to be really impressed if, if he had done that. No, that would have been I, that would have been an act of God, I'm pretty sure. But he <laughs> looked good, man. He looked the part. And uh, I was like, hey, are you, are you Dominic Lovett? And he said, yeah, that's me. And um, just got a few minutes to catch up with him and see what his experience has been like in the portal, why he picked Georgia, and uh, got a story up about that. Uh, behind our Dogs HQ premium paywall for our, our subscribers. I know many of you watching tonight already do that. But, uh, look, he's he's already chat uh, chatted with the Players Lounge and Warren Brinson, too. So there's a lot of Dominic Lovett on your timelines this week already. I think Georgia fans are going to love this kid. He is yeah. already fitting in very well with his teammates. I talked to a couple of them that were at the tournament as well on Monday, the charity event. And they're like, guys, we like all of our transfer portal guys this year. They're all good fits, but love it. They were particularly pumped to have him on the roster. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, I think man. he is a, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Yep. I was just saying, I think that he is the best portal pickup that they could have gotten uh, you know, for that position, uh, it was certainly a need. Um, you know, I, I went on the record. Um, God, I can't remember what piece I was writing, uh, but oh, it was my uh, you know three three things we learned, two two questions we've still got, and one prediction. Uh, you know, after spring practice, um, my prediction is that Georgia is going to have that thousand yard receiver this year, and I think that there's a chance that Dominic. I think there's three guys that could do it. And I, Dominic Lovett is one of those guys, uh, you know, because there are three guys that are, are capable of that big of a production. It could be harder for each of them individually to get there. We, we very well could see, you know, two, three, 900 yard receivers, um, you know, a, a thousand yard receiver and then, a, you know, two 800 yard guys. 
Um, but Lovett has that potential. I mean, I'm really excited to see what he's capable of doing um, with, you know, I mean, look at those Missouri quarterbacks over the last couple of years. It's been a little bit of a turnstile there. Um, you know, they've had some good guys, uh, but, but certainly, I mean, they, they were replacing guys through the transfer portal left and right. It felt like, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see what he can do in this offense uh, with this quarterback, um, Carson Beck, and just overall really excited to see what he can do and what he adds to this Georgia wide receiver group. Got short area. What's the, what's the popular word? Short area suddenness to him. Uh, he's going to be a problem to match up with. And you look, look at some of the things that Bobo can do. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with his offense watching through the years, watching at Colorado State. The stuff he does, a lot of motion uh, in, inside, like the 10 and stuff. And you start looking at those. Everybody knows that whip route now, those types of things. I like that. You know, they, 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 they've done a lot with Lab McConkie. He's certainly going to get a lot of attention. Uh, but you put a guy like Lovett and Ladd on the same side and you start you start watching feet. Next thing you know, you get crossed up and a guy is open because they're both, you know, kind of one-on-one beat you guys and uh, sure hands and just you know, change the direction, all those types of things at football. I, I think this Lovett pickup is going – we go back and look at this, you know, in November and go, wow, you know, that was a hell of a gift for Georgia. Yeah, just like uh, Blaylock going into portal to a quote-unquote – you know, rival. I don't think Missouri and Georgia, no one's considering that a rivalry. Um, but I was impressed with Lovett's ability to still maintain respect and not throw anything about Missouri under the bus. Between my conversation with him and the one with Warren Brinson, uh, he learned a lot from Mizzou and he gained a lot of confidence. Hey, I can do this at Missouri. In two seasons, the touchdown number is a little bit low. And, Palmer, you alluded to the fact that it was kind of a revolving door of the quarterback situation over there at Missouri. So maybe the potential not not fully tapped there. But he did have a rushing touchdown. He had some carries at Missouri. And I bet Mike Bobo's watching some of that tape and salivating a little bit because he's like, okay, this kid can be, can be versatile and uh, he can do some things for us. But when you see what he was able to do, be a headache for – the elite defenses in the SEC. Georgia was one of them before he got hurt against the dogs. You got to feel like you're pretty good if you're Lovett, if you're Lovett's offensive staff, that he's going to be able to continue that against Georgia's schedule uh, this coming year as it's a little bit soft, but you're going to have to square up time to time in some SEC road environments. And he and Lovett, uh, sorry, Rara Thomas, having guys that have been in the league, Kirby Smart is – Definitely taking advantage of that rule uh, that took place in 2021 where you can get guys from the same conference because that just helps Georgia from a culture standpoint. You know what you're doing uh, from a competition standpoint and knowing what to expect on the road in this league. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'd like to talk to Lovett and say, hey, what, what, how big are these dudes? And when you walk into Georgia and see all these guys, like, you know, Missouri's an SEC school, but they don't have one through 85 like Georgia has. And you're probably thinking, God, I'm glad I'm on the same team with these dudes and not running routes against them anymore. Well, and, and I mean, you look at the Georgia guys talking about the, those two, uh, you know, having gone up against both of them this past season, um, you know, they're excited to have them on their side now. Uh, you know, they're going to have to cover them more often doing so every day in practice. But the fact that they're not going to have to line up opposite of, of a Ra-Ra Thomas or a Dominic Lovett in a game, uh, you know, guys like Kamari Lasseter, Javon Bullard, they were very excited about that. Uh, this spring and so you know I mean you can see Bullard right there having some trouble with with Dom love it there yeah um, to catch that stiff arm if he can even catch yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean I'm I'm excited to see Wes you mentioned the rushing touchdown that falls right in with what Georgia does with these guys I mean look at Lad McConkey last year seven receiving touchdowns three rushing touchdowns same stat line for Brock Bowers you know to have see a tight end doing that kind of thing is, is a different conversation, but to see a receiver that's being used in, in, you know, on those speed sweeps on, you know, on a screen pass that might be behind the line of scrimmage and count as a run or whatever it may be. Um, you know, Georgia uses that, that uses the full, what is it? 53, um, you know, 52 and a half or whatever it is. They use the full field. They, they get it to the edge as quickly as possible. And it's an extension of their run game. And so, you know, we saw that last year with Kenny McIntosh. Uh, we saw it with Lad McConkey, and I really think we're going to see it with that, with Dominic Lovett this fall. Yeah, those hidden rush yards that Kirby talked about last year. Uh, let's get to a couple comments here before we give a shout-out to our friends at Breaking Tea. Uh, Rhett Womack says he wants to see Dylan Bell get cranked up, maybe get some targets out of the backfield since my guy is built like a house. Is he built like a house? He's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like Red. I'm excited to see what Dylan Bell is capable of doing. Um, you know, I, I wrote a piece, uh, you know, earlier this this spring before spring practice about you know don't forget Dylan Bell and all this because he was a big part of what Georgia's receiving room was last year. Um, you know, and, and we've seen a couple of those guys do it as freshmen. Um, you know, and step into bigger roles, you know, get, get a taste of it as a freshman and then step into a bigger role as a sophomore. Um, it, it may be hard for him to step into a huge role with the likes of Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers, Dominic Lovett, Arian Smith, Marcus Roseme, on and on and on. Um, but Dylan Bell is very much a part of the plans for this receiver room. Um, I, I'm going to answer a question here that Matthew C's got. Um, yeah, he's, he's asking, do I expect these guys – to put up those receiving numbers because Georgia's unsettled running back room, um, you know, the most that it's been unsettled since Kirby has been here. And I, I do. I mean, that's that's part of my thinking there is that you don't necessarily know what you've got with the running backs. You don't necessarily have a, a proven pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, you know, combine those two factors there. Um, you know, the, the, those yards have got to be made up somewhere. Um, you know, if you're not handing the ball off as often because you don't feel great about the running backs or, you're not handing the ball off as often because you don't feel great about the depth of those running backs. And then if you're not throwing it to the backs out of the backfield because they're not as strong of pass catchers as they have been, those touches have got to go somewhere else. And, and so that's why I do think that 
you know, w- w- with without an extra tight end in there like Darnell Washington, we're probably going to see some more, you know, three receiver, four receiver sets out there. Um, I, I think Carson Beck has a really strong arm. I think that George is going to try to spread it around a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I think all that ultimately results in these receivers getting a lot more touches. And, and that's why I think that Georgia is going to have that thousand yard receiver guy. Don't discount the offensive line. And I'm telling you, they got people that move bodies. And you start talking about Xavier Trust and Tate Ratledge and Amarius Mims and, and, Ernest Green and whoever. I mean, those it, you, you don't have to have Garrison Hurst in behind it right now because those guys are going to move some bodies. And uh, I just think um, I think when you uh, look at things, it's still a game up front. But I do think Georgia, I agree, Palmer, I think everybody that follows this team day to day or a real fan of this team understand they're probably more talented outside the, the hashes than they are you know, lined up in the backfield, but man, they got an offensive line that can, oh, you start man I actually watched some of the, uh, watched some of the Florida game the other night. Just, I, I'll take a random half and watch a game and dude, they were mauling, they're mauling people, man. I mean, they, they will absolutely maul people. And, and I don't think Tate will probably be upset and say, Tate, Tate went 100% healthy as the season started last year. So he got better as he goes on. Uh, Trust got really good as the year went on. So, um, you, you know, I don't discount the offensive line because, you know, they can move. There's just still some SEC backs behind them. It might not be Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle and those guys. So, uh, I, I think the, the running game is still going to be tough to deal with when you face Georgia. Absolutely. I mean, it always is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you're right. They've got one hell of an offensive line there. Um, and, and Tate wasn't healthy. You know, and like you said, he, he wasn't healthy coming into the year. There were times throughout the year that he wasn't healthy. So, um, you know, that that's the nature of playing in this league and playing offensive line. You're, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get bruised and, and, you know, bumps and bruises everywhere. Um, you, you do have to have that depth that, that we see Stacy talking about here. Um, yeah, Stacy seems to be a doubter. Really worried about next year's offensive line. We don't seem to have the depth. Hey, well, that's I, just I think, the bar right now. Ask Mike Bobo what his depth looks like compared to what it looked like when he was here last time. See, I, I think I read that as Stacey's worrying about the 2024 offensive line. Um, and, and, I mean, that's that's valid because you're going to lose, probably going to lose, um, you know, Cedric Van Perrin, Tate Ratledge, Xavier Truss, uh, Amarius Mims. I mean, you're losing a lot off of a really good group. Um, so I, I can understand where you're coming from, Stacy, but because of the way that Georgia has, you know, look at last year, look at, look at, you know, a couple years ago, they rotate these guys, they, they get them reps, they get them ready to roll. Um, there were, there were seven offensive linemen that played at least 30% of snaps for Georgia last year. You, you just don't see that very often, unless you've got guys that are getting hurt left and right. And I mean, we saw the same starting five, uh, with, for, I think every, but every game, but two in the regular season. And then. Marius Mims slotted in in the postseason. So, um, you know, four of 15, so 11, 11 games, you had the same starting five. They've got depth. They, they, they established that. Um, and, and I think they're going to continue to do that. We've heard really good things about, uh, you know, Micah Morris, Dylan Fairchild, Jared Wilson, uh, Austin Blasky is obviously a guy that, that could start this year. But Blasky's you know, got all the buzz. He's the offseason yeah. offensive lineman of the year, I feel like. Well, and, and he's a guy that could start but also could be a rotational guy and, and could be somebody that you're, uh, you know, counting on for depth and, and moving forward. So 
And not to mention you got great guys that are in this recruiting class that they just signed Monroe Freeling, the number one offensive tackle in the country. You know that they're going to develop those guys. They, they've done it with, you know, from Andrew Thomas. I mean, he, Isaiah Wynn, Andrew Thomas, Jamari Salyer, Isaiah Wilson, um, Roger Jones, Warren McClendon, Marius Mims. Do we need to go on and on and on? Because all those guys. Yeah, I want to see um, how many more you can name. <laughs> <laughs> all, um, all very solid offensive tackles for Georgia. Yeah, well, if you listen to this show, you know I'm excited about Monroe Freeling because I think he's got the name of the class. Uh, the class act of all college sporting apparel is breakingtea.com and the Georgia shop. The link is always in our episode description. We're talking about some new dogs here, and I wonder which ones will end up on a breaking tea feature tea this year. Will it be Dylan Bell? Will it be Dominic Lovett? They need to show some O linemen some love. Maybe the Great Wall of Georgia. I'll submit that idea to uh, Franco as he puts our breaking tea lineup together. But y'all check it out. You got all the Georgia Delphi Eagle Dogs stuff. I don't know if your Eagle fandom has calmed down in the couple of weeks since the draft, uh, but it's there for you if you've actually converted to be a Philadelphia Eagle fan after they drafted all those dogs, or if you're just a traditional dog. You got all that championship gear that you could want. Hop on over to Breaking Tea and get that new Georgia shirt. You know you need one. What's here. up, Jake Roos? What's up, boys? We went to the bullpen here late. <laughs> the closer. I mean, man, wouldn't it be great? The NFL schedule comes out tomorrow. Wouldn't it be great for the Eagles to play in Atlanta on Georgia's off week? Oh, boy. Could you imagine that Sunday? <laughs> yeah, there'd, there'd probably be a lot more fans there than there normally are. No doubt. No uh, Bruce, welcome in. We, we were just talking about Don Blaylock and Dominic Lovett opening the show with the tale of two Dominics. Um, another thing that's been a theme this week, and I'll pick up a little bit of the Dominic Lovett conversation. He told me that uh, he's excited to play with Georgia's quarterbacks because they're just some dogs. And at the same event, I asked David Pollock if he could sum up this team in three words or less. And he said the exact same thing. It was kind of spooky. I don't know if they met up or something and compared notes, but he said, my three words are just some dogs. What does that mean to you guys from the quarterback room to this roster through and through? Pollock's seen some practices. Rusty, you've evaluated these recruits. Roos, you have too. And Palmer, you're familiar with what Georgia already has and some of the guys that are yet to prove themselves. When I hear guys like that that are on the team – actually practicing and former dogs like Pollock getting to witness practice. I'm pretty excited to hear someone say Georgia just has some dogs and they mean that in the best sense possible. Yeah. I think that, you know, when I hear that to me, what comes across is the idea that like these guys still have their edge and that's, what's so important, right? I mean, you, you Kirby talks about complacency all the time and the idea of, you know, the being the hunted instead of being uh, being the hunting. I, I think that that's really, to me, that's what that says is that's the idea you got. Uh, that's, that's still that competitive edge, that drive to say, look, what we did last year is last year. We're this year's team now, and we've got to be as great. The standards out there and everybody's familiar with what that is at this point. Yeah. I think you want to hear a team described as just some dogs and not just some deacons. I mean, <laughs> Uh, you you want this is football. It is a violent sport. It is a big man sport. It is 
moving people against their will. And I, I, I love to talk to people that go to practice for the first time because it's the same reaction I get. Holy hell, Kirby's loud on that microphone, and I can't yeah. believe how big George is. Like, everybody are 1% humans, except for Lab McConkey. <laughs> he's a one percent athlete he's a one lad every time i see lad i saw him monday I said lad i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't take everybody everybody <laughs> in northwest georgia was on my tail about you and i'm sorry that that i didn't speak up for you but you have it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore uh but everybody including hal lamb he was head coach at calhoun and ironic the story you know hal lamb called kirby after uh, they, um, Northwest Murray, uh, Northwest Murray beat him, and uh, he said, "Look, this guy's this guy's a real deal, man. This guy, this guy just beat us, and we couldn't stop him. I think he was playing wildcat quarterback, just running around, running wild, and and uh, yeah, that, I hope he was wearing number eighty four too. No. <laughs> <laughs> North Murray, I mean, he's a legend up there in Chatsworth, and I think one day we ought to just talk about the whole. His family are mega." mega mega tennessee fans like rocky top like season ticket sweet holders mm. and they didn't offer <laughs> so there's a there's been that. a trend of that with tennessee yeah. with some yeah. pretty big name guys lad hit the drive of the day that i saw anyway uh at the t-box i was hanging out at i'm I, not lying guys like i saw tate i saw war mcclendon and they bombed it okay they yeah. They sounded like a cast iron skillet hitting a, a a curb. Okay, it was loud when they hit the ball, but Lad's drive looked like a PGA swing. And he I, said he's he said he's an eighteen handicap. He's sandbagging. I've I've heard I've heard he's just as good of a basketball player as he is a football player. I mean, I've heard he is yeah. nasty on the court, man. Athlete, man. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, you know, Russ. You talk about Kirby being loud out there at practice, and what that came to mind for me was. Fletcher Westfall was a kid I talked to after his last visit. And um, he said, you know, the standard is so high at Georgia that Kirby's on the mic screaming at recruits if they're texting on their phone. I mean, he, he was he was like, you know, he was like, I mean, if, if you're doing that to kids on campus that you're trying to impress and come land, what do you think these guys are getting it out there in the trenches, buddy? I talked to a guy. That's funny you said that. I talked to a guy who was at practice that day, and Kirby looked at about 10 recruits and said, put your phones down. And pay attention because if you don't want any of this right here, it's like, for you. Yeah. And I said, he goes, Oh my God. I said, Do you can do that when you're back to back? You can't do that when you're eight and four. Yeah. No question. <laughs> you know, you're mm-hmm. over taking selfies with them when you're eight and four. So, but to, yeah, that's exactly very, that's funny you bring that up. That's the same thing. He's like, Man, I couldn't believe he told those recruits to put their phone down and pay attention. Like, yeah. it's practice. Yep. Yeah, Kirby's turning into your dad at the dinner table. Put your phone down. <laughs> Rumor has it he did it to Jake Rowe one day. <laughs> I that think I've heard that rumor. Oh man, Mark Rick got after Jake Rowe one day too. I was so, there. Uh, I was if, if if you can get Jake, if you can get Mark Rick upset at you if, as a reporter, you, you damn well know Kirby Smart ain't holding nothing back. I don't feel like it's fair to bring that up without Roe here to defend himself, but if, <laughs> if y'all want to spill the beans on that, I'm all ears for it. Well, I mean, it was I, I remember it very vividly, actually. It was one of the first practices I'd gone to, and I think Jake had just moved over to 247 at the time. Yes. And um, he was out there at practice, and he had his camera up at the end, and he was taking, like, one last shot, and Rick 
saw it and they'd whistled the media to go in and he just went ballistic on him and like, you know, <laughs> just, just chewed him dude. And was like, he was like, I know that camera takes 800 pictures a second. You're trying to get all this, you know? And, uh, I, I very rarely seen Jake Rose super flustered in my life. That was not a good day in Jake Rose's life. They 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 mended fences. Mark Rick contacted him later, and all was well. But uh, it was one of those things for sure, man. They went to Cracker Barrel one morning, had biscuits and gravy. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was good. Everything was good. Palmer, who's on your dog watch? Who's your who's your just some dog player that? that first comes to mind for you, whether it's on offense or defense? I mean, I don't know if you were going to talk about him because you just pulled him up, but Michael Williams is a dog. I mean, Michael Williams is – I started thinking about that recently, just thinking about the way that he finished out that season as a freshman. Um, I mean, just really, really impressive. Just, I mean, I, I've got high hopes for Michael Williams – this year um excited to see what he's capable of doing i know you know the I, I before the draft there was some you know hey if if all the players were eligible if there was no you know rules on on who was eligible for the draft this would be who who could be taken and michael williams as a freshman two years younger three years younger in some cases you know hell probably seven years younger than stetson bennett um first rounder a lot of people had him as a first rounder and and you can only imagine i think he was one of maybe three 2025 draft eligible guys on there um you had um the lsu um linebacker i'm drawing a blank on his name um outside linebacker um Perkins. was a freshman this past year yes harold perkins thank harold you perkins, yeah mm. um yeah yeah i mean those two, and then I want to say there was an offensive tackle from somewhere, um, but Michael might have something to say about that for that offensive tackle because he made the first offensive tackle in this year's draft, Paris Johnson, look kind of silly in, in this matchup against uh, Ohio Golly. State. So, Michael Williams, uh, he, he's, he's a dog. And, you know, if I'm thinking about it on the defensive side of the ball, uh, coaches over – or uh, Matthew C's over here talking about Adam Anderson – I think Darius Smith is a guy who comes to mind for me. I think he's primed for a, a big breakout season. I think that they're that's a guy they're going to have to lean on a bit too um, and bring some experience and some size, some speed. And you want to talk about getting it out of the mud, man. Listen, Baxley, Georgia, that I think it's not where it comes easy for you, brother. I promise you, it ain't, you're not practicing in a lot of heat like Baxley, Georgia, man. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think Darius is an, a guy who's due for a breakout. Um, I think that, you know, he was a guy who I think last year was just figuring out who he was and, and how special he could really be and, and to be around guys of this caliber and see that he could compete, I think probably did him a, a lot of good over the course of the year. Uh, Michael, for sure, I think is a standout. And then, you know, I'll tell you what, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm looking squarely at Amarius Mims, man. I think that that's a guy who is going to, open eyes left and right. Georgia fans already know the guy, but I think, you know, the way that people talked about Broderick Jones going into this draft, Amarius Mims has a chance to put himself in a conversation like that moving into this next cycle. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I, th- I think about guys like Lad McConkey who aren't necessarily supposed to be dogs. And, and that's what I think of. You know, we talk about Javon Bullard every week on the show. I feel like it, it could be a drinking game, but I know he, he's a dog for sure. I mean, no. he's the dog of all dogs. You know, I know the the big chain that the D linemen carry out. That's kind of that Georgia tradition now on defense kind of belongs to that position group. But I feel like he kind of deserves it more than any of them. Man, he is the dog of all dogs on this team. So the, I don't the know, man. Dog. <laughs> It's it's exciting to hear those guys say that and use those words about this team because I think there are some guys that you expect to be dogs like the Michael Williams of the world, like the Amarius Mims. Um, your entire quarterback room has an edge about them. Uh, and you have those guys on the offensive line that we've already mentioned, but you've also got Smile Munden. That's, uh, my, you've, that's my guy. Yeah, and I don't know how, how long it's going to be till we see him play again. But that guy's a dog, too. Nazir Stackhouse. I mean, just wave after wave after wave. But what separated Georgia in the past couple years? Everyone talks about the blue chip index, about stars mattering, and they absolutely do. But Georgia kind of fills in the cracks. They put the layer in this cake of three-star guys that overperform and do more than anyone thinks they're going to do. So it's a bunch of different dogs in different ways, but Georgia stacks them up in the right way. Yeah, no, the evaluations are huge, and that's a huge part of it. And I think it's one of the things about Georgia that continues to sell itself to recruits is the idea that, look, you can be a three-star guy, and you can come here and play. If, you, if you're if you that kind of guy, we got a spot for you, okay? So if you believe in yourself and you've got that kind of dog in you, Kirby Smart's got room for you on his roster. Well, and and the NFL has room for you, too, if you oh, no prove question. it at the college level because yep. – um, Yes, Wes. I was going to. Uh, I, I was going to bring that up too. Um, I'll just say it. Well, yeah. Let's let's go for it. Spill the beans. I was. I, I was, I was going to bring it up and see if if we wanted to audible to it. Um, Jacksonville Stadium um, report is out there that it may not be available uh, for the twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six matchups between Georgia and Florida. Um, David uh, Burl Burlline. David Burline uh, wrote in the Jacksonville newspaper, Florida Times Union, um, spoke with Mayor Lenny Curry on Wednesday. Um, the Jags are scouting potential locations for in Jacksonville for home games to be played uh, during a two-year renovation of TIAA Bank Field. Is that what um, they're calling it now? I, I had to think about that. I scrolled up to the picture to make sure that I was calling it the right thing. Because I feel like it's been called a million different things. Uh, but during those two seasons, the annual Florida-Georgia game, Georgia-Florida, um, clearly this is a uh, Florida paper writing that because you wouldn't see those two. Uh, yeah, Palmer, I'm about to mute you, man. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, th- that's that's a dollar in the swear jar. Guys. Do y'all, do y'all make people uh, run bleachers on here or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that 6 in crew. I just mute but them. It, but it would be played outside of Jacksonville with each school taking a turn hosting the game on its campus. So trying to think who is the, I think Florida's the designated home team for 23, which would mean 24 is Georgia. 
25 being Florida. So that first game would be in Gainesville with the return trip to Athens in 26. <laughs> that sounds right to me. I imagine that'll be a, a pretty nice ticket in Athens. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's going to be God almighty. What a weekend. Ooh. It's not even going to be a cocktail party. It's just going to be a, an outrageous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, <laughs> people, pulled over, people pulled over on 316 about halfway down. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. The distillery party. Yeah. No, it's I, – I, mean, I mean, I think it's an exciting proposition. I think it gives people a lot of what they've wanted to see and called for for a long time. I mean, there's a number of people out there and not an insignificant amount of uh, fans and, and also people in the media who've called for the game to be moved back to the home and home. And while I don't personally love that idea, I think that you'll get a taste to see how it is, how it works. And um, I think you're right. Right. if Kirby has a big weekend recruits that weekend <laughs> – They'll never go back to Jacksonville. Yeah, no, no question. No, no chance. Question. No, and 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 that absolutely. Um, it's funny we were we were uh, talking about this because Nick De La Torre from Gators Online texted me the same link, and uh, he, he was saying heads up renovation would mean no Jacksonville, and we were saying that this is exactly what uh, could lead to it never being in Jacksonville again. It is you get this on campus, you give these schools a taste of what that feels like, and. Um, you know, what these coaches, you give these coaches a taste of what it's like to have recruits on campus for this game, to be able to host official visits. Hotel, that's hotels, restaurants, extra weekend. Oh, hell yep. yeah. That's, uh, that, that, that's a recipe for not hosting this game again. I just got chills thinking about all those Florida fans in downtown Athens. Oh boy. All, there's, gonna all some, the there's gonna be some arrests that weekend. There's I can tell you this on both sides of the aisle, man. Talk about property being destroyed, man. It, it won't uh, be it some reputations and lives destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't surprise me if Kirby was the one just going around with a sledgehammer after last year and saying, Nah, well, let's knock a wall down in here so they gotta fix this that next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby's just destroying the bank, as yeah. Matthew C. Yeah. says they call it. Uh, Palmer, do you need to hop off and write this? I don't want to get in the way of you. Uh, doing yeah, something. I'll, I'll, I'll hop off. I mean, that's, that's, what I was, anyway. that's what I was going to chop wood about if we didn't bring it up. Yeah, there you um, go. So, chop a story. Chopping wood. <laughs> I'm going to go chop up a story. See you guys. All right. Amen, brother. Uh, I'll chop wood about something that's kind of been alluded to in the comments, uh, a tweet that I saw tonight that is kind of – making the rounds and let me pull it up here. What was it? Menace to sports. And I'm just, I, I'm just point. cringing at giving this uh, uh, airtime, but it's the hot button issue on Georgia social media tonight. So I'll just make it part of our show tonight uh, at menace to sports coach, Zach Smith. If you know who he is, you know who he is. If you don't, then educate yourself. But he's saying that Georgia's pet project defense is done and Kirby Smart is now going to go eight and four again. Guys, thank him. I, Just say thank you. Well, Just, I watch I watch his podcast sometimes on TikTok. It comes up on a little algorithm. God knows what my algorithm is. <laughs> um, but I don't know what got into him today, but like I've seen him the last couple of weeks, and it's like, dude, it's Georgia and Ohio State, and that's who's that's who's gonna lock horns so i don't know what happened today how much he's trying to push buttons but i'm not sure that that's he believes all that especially with georgia's schedule yeah 
I mean, well, he, he's he brilliant he, in this regard because he's gotten everybody oh, talking about. Yeah. He knows he knows what's drawing ears and eyes, man. I mean, it's it's Georgia all day, Ohio State. I mean, you know, listen, Zach Smith is not. He's he's got his own problems, right? I mean, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I think to to put it lightly. I mean, he so. he's been he and I don't I'm not trying to draw people to his podcast, but like he's been wide open about a lot of things. Like they played Michigan State one year and they did a Sunday meeting and he said that they sat in a room and said, throw at that corner right there. Every single play, the guy's terrible. And they had a little clip. They targeted that kid like 19 times. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he was like, Urban walked in. So what we got? He goes, we got a corner. If this kid's stiff hip, he sucks. And literally, they went at the kid 19 times in one game. He goes, the play, we were done with a prep. And I was like, man, that's crazy. But that's the way it is, you know. So that's uh, that's all I have to say. Just say thanks. He knows what he's doing, uh, I think. Uh, but Kirby's going to – Kirby's heard it already, I promise. Somehow, some way. I don't know if you guys heard the the 92.9 interview yesterday. I guess you guys probably did with Kirby uh, Monday. The Michigan interview was pretty fascinating. That it was. Basically, Alabama had called – or Michigan had called Alabama, and they said, look, Georgia's out of shape. Just, just stay on the pedal. Stay on them because they're out of shape. Bad. So after they beat Michigan, they talked to Michigan, and that's what they said. Listen, the Georgia's out of shape, and Kirby ate that up. Like that was thank you. That's Thanksgiving second plate. Like here we go. I'm telling. I'm going to tell you a practice today exactly what Alabama thinks about you. And you know, it's just any little any little edge you can get. But but that I think that. Uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting too because I was in Indy, and um, I'm not going to name the players because I don't. I don't remember what their names were, but they were some <laughs> they were some uh some walk-on guys, some practice guys. They were in Indy and they were in the same establishment that I was in and I was I wasn't working I wasn't covering Georgia at the time. I was working for Outsider and not covering sports, all lifestyle stuff. So I was just like, what's practice been like? You know, I'm not trying to report anything. I don't care. Um what What's it been like? What's the difference between practicing for Bama now and practicing for Bama and the SEC championship? And they said, well, it's a lot harder. They're conditioning us harder than they did before the season. And now putting these pieces together, it's fascinating to hear that because that just means like, okay, they may have done that already anyway, but Kirby took that Michigan feedback and made them practice a lot harder, it sounds like. Yeah. And, and they ran at six o'clock. Jordan Davis and those guys did the D line had to run like six six o'clock in the morning, um, and they they did on their own too. They knew they were out of shape a little bit, and but but to hear that Alabama kind of told another team, "Hey, Georgia's soft and out of shape," that was all they needed for that. All right, I'm chopping wood uh, tonight on uh, official visits kicking off next week, man. Uh, I got a couple coming in. Uh, Cam Michael expected to be in town. Uh, Casey Poe, another guy, uh, interior offensive lineman. It's all here, man. It's all happening. And uh, boy, I don't, I don't know if Rusty and I are ready for it, but but it's just, but it's just going to happen, rather <laughs> whether or not we are prepared. Um, but I'll tell you this: I, I like where Georgia stands. I think uh, going into uh, that Cam Michael visit, I think that uh, they have a lot to feel good about there. Um, that's a guy that they would love, love, love to keep in state. Um, Tennessee and Kentucky trying to have their say in that race. I've got my prediction in on the recruiting prediction machine for Georgia, and um, I, I haven't 
felt the need to change that. Um, you know, I think he'll do his due diligence. He's a really thoughtful young man to talk to and uh, very, very well-spoken, thought out. Um, he's going to take his time. I think he'll, he'll see his options out. But I think Georgia is going to be a very compelling piece for him in this recruitment. And I think that, like I said, you know, the season's here and, and uh, it's all about to get crazy again. You've seen that part in Braveheart where he's riding in the field up and down in front of everybody trying to get them rallied up one time for the battle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be you or me next week about Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying to convince everybody, get your damn paint on. Yeah. Get your sticks ready because it's here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, whew, just thinking about it. But, you know, that it's literally next weekend when they have this scavenger hunt, there's a couple days memorial right there. And after that, it stops for about four days at 4th of July, and that's it. It's either camp, OVs, unofficial visits, everything, summer workouts, and next thing you know, we'll be all sitting in Nashville for SEC media days. But literally, it starts next week, which is the grind. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yes. No, it, we were talking about that on the board. And listen, I know these guys are paid very handsomely for the work that they do, but they're essentially giving their lives up, man. And I mean, you know, somebody said, oh, you know, three, four years, you know, you can, I said, buddy, at this level, it's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. No. It's not, it, there's no. no, there's no, we work three, four years. It's like, if you want to do this job, this is just what it is for the rest of your tenure at this position. Until you get replaced. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So not, not many Matt Lutes can walk off on your own term. Right. No, absolutely. Mm. absolutely. Uh Rusty, were you was was that your chopping wood, Michigan, the Michigan deal? Uh if it was, we can yeah, put it, uh, let's do it. <laughs> put a cork in this thing. Y'all uh, hit like and subscribe. Uh thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Georgia show. We'll be back Sunday at 8 30 p.m. Eastern. If you're new here. We do this show every Wednesday, every Sunday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on the Dogs HQ YouTube channel. Lock it in to part of your Georgia uh, news cycle. And if you can't catch us live, you can catch us on replay here on YouTube, too, or on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Uh, Roost, do y'all have plans for Bark After Dark on Monday? I believe we are back this week. Uh, I will okay. double check with Roe, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we are this week, uh, one way or the other. So, Fantastic. Can't wait to hear that. Y'all uh, just stay tuned and take advantage of that $1 Rusty special over on Dogs HQ, man. $1 for six months. I guess it's five and a half months now leading up to October 31st. You can read all of our premium nuggets and info that we didn't spill the beans on here on the Georgia Show. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll catch you soon. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets.
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.